The unmistakable voice there of tenor Giuseppe Di Stefano singing Cegele da Manina from La Bohème by Puccini in a live recording from 1950. 
A very warm welcome from me, Adrian Fuchs. If you've just joined us here on Fine Music Radio 101.3 FM for tonight's edition of Great Interpreters, a special tribute to the late Giuseppe Di Stefano, who passed away earlier this year on the 3rd of March. Rightly regarded not only as one of the leading operatic tenors of the 20th century, but also one of the greatest singers of all time, Di Stefano enjoyed a brilliant career, reaching the apex of his fame in partnership with Maria Callas on both stage and disc during the 1950s. He was especially highly regarded for his performances of the leading roles of Donizetti, Bellini, Verdi and Puccini and appeared in all the world's leading opera houses. At the spiritual home of La Scala Milan, he appeared 185 times in no fewer than 43 different productions. Known affectionately as Pippo to his friends and colleagues, Di Stefano was a charismatic, fun-loving playboy, young at heart and full of life. Giuseppe Di Stefano was born on the 24th of July, 1921, at Motta Santa Anastasia, a village near Catania on the island of Sicily. Though his vocal talent was evident from an early age, he experienced much resistance from his parents, a policeman and a seamstress, who did not want their son to follow a musical career. Educated at the Jesuit seminary of St. Avialdo in Milan, Di Stefano initially thought of becoming a priest. Apart from singing in two boys' choirs in Milan, the Santa Maria de Caravaggio and the Duomo, he also presented himself at two song contests in Milan and Florence in 1938 and won both. You didn't stay in Sicily very long, did you? Not until uh, five and a half. Then, I, with my mother, we, we joined my father who was in Milan already, in the north, yes. And there I've been all my life. Your father was in the Carabinieri, wasn't he? My father was a Carabinieri, my mother was a dressmaker. So music it was a real Sicilian style. <laughs> was there music in your, in your home? Nobody knew anything about music. As a matter of fact, when I started to talk about making a, a singer to become a tenor, they almost threw me out of the house. What is that? Something to eat? I said, no, no, the tenor. It's somebody who sings and makes money with singing. I don't believe, said my father, you better be another carabiniere, you better do something different. What is this tenor? You did sing in the church choir uh, as a boy. Yes, I did sing, but never uh, aroused any enthusiasm from my parents. They never came, they never cared about that. Mm. But uh, a young man who was four years older than me, he was that means he was 1920, he became my friend because he loved opera. He was one of these uh, uh, opera fans. Yes. And one day while we were playing cards and the, he was singing all the time because he was very lucky. So I had to listen all the time opera arias. As a matter of fact, the first opera arias I learned from him. One day finally he lost. And he lost while he took a long breath to sing the high note of La Donna Mobile, which stayed in his throat. And I won in that uh, particular moment. So I sang the, the high note. Pensier! A big high note. Yeah. For the first time, I mean, by the time we had this friendship, I was already 16. See? So my voice grew a lot from the, the, the very first time he heard me in the church. And then, instead of getting mad, he was so happy, was surprised. What a voice you have. Maybe you should sing opera tomorrow, bring it to a teacher, and, and let's find out what kind of future you will have. So you took his advice, you took lessons... And you began yes. going to the opera house. Well, it's not that easy, eh? because I, I didn't. I, I, I hate opera. You hate opera. I love to go to dance every night with my friends. I love songs. I didn't care about opera. 
But finally he got me one night in, uh, in the Scala. And I thought I had to go if I wanted to be a tenor. Because every night was telling me that I had a very pretty voice and uh, this and that. But I thought he was talking out of friendship. I didn't, I didn't believe for one second that all this would become true. So one night, finally, I went with him. And the first experience was Turandot. And I didn't like it at all. But a few, few weeks later, I heard Benjamino Gigli. He's always in the Scala. In uh, Poliuto from Donizetti. And then, when I heard the voice of Benjamino Gigli, I went wild. I started to love him and to love the opera. And then later I loved Skipper, who was a, a, even a better musician than, than, the, yes. than the great Gigli. And then you, you, you took lessons. You went to the conservatoire? Yes, but yes. only to study music. So I, I studied contrabasso, you know, the big... The, big, uh, the bassoon, double bass. The double bass, exactly. But mm -hmm. just to learn music. And during that time I met Gigli. I, I mean, I went to his hotel, I went to shake his hand. But when he was in front of him, I was uh, so full of emotion, I could not talk, talk, talk. I said, Mama Maestro, hey, calm, calm, calm. I said, what do you want? I, I would like to sing for you. I said, what are you studying? I'm studying the conservatorio, the Milano. But he said, well, tomorrow I'm coming to the conservatorio to give a lesson, a master class, and then you will sing for me, okay? Okay, ciao, bye. Yeah. So I left him. But I forgot to tell him that I was a student of uh, double bass. <laughs> See, I, so the next day I heard him, but I could not sing. I was not a vocal student. Giuseppe Di Stefano there in an interview from 1981 with Roy Plomley. As a teenager, Di Stefano earned pocket money by singing in various restaurants and even cinemas, where he sang everything from operatic arias to Neapolitan songs prior to the screening of the film. In 1938, he began vocal studies under La Scala's Adriano Tokyo while singing in the La Scala chorus, followed by further training under the guidance of baritone Luigi Montesanto in 1940. His studies, however, were interrupted by the outbreak of the Second World War, and he was called to military service in Milan in January 1941. Fortunately, Di Stefano was saved from active military service due to respiratory problems, singing instead both inside the military camps and outside, while becoming quite well known in Milan under the pseudonym Nino Florio. Following the collapse of Mussolini's regime and the arrival of the German troops in 1943, Di Stefano fled Italy for Switzerland, where he sang in refugee camps before appearing with the Radio Suisse Romande in Lausanne throughout 1944 and 1945, recording excerpts from Le Lezir and Il Tabaro, as well as various popular Italian songs. My, my parents were very poor and uh, the money was with a big inflation, so uh, I tried to help them to help the family singing songs. And you were singing pop songs. It made a big success. I made the first record. Mm -hmm. It's Nino yeah. Florio. That's the way it started, Nino Florio. Yeah. But then after two months, I went back to the to the army. And then the German came. So I escaped with the help of a German soldier telling him that uh, I was an opera singer. Yeah. And the night he helped me to escape. And then I went to Switzerland. Mm -hmm. And in Switzerland, I started to sing. Right. And with then I made an audition in the Staatsoper. Yes. And the opera theater in Zurich. So all around the camp, they, they knew about this young tenor. And one Swiss man, who, by the way, was born in, uh, in Palermo, so he spoke fluent Italian, uh, he was vice director of the, of the radio in uh, Lausanne. Mm -hmm. And uh, he asked the Swiss government to, to let me free to be able to sing and study in Lausanne. So I was very fortunate. Those were the best years of my life. Yes. See, because... Uh, well, they spoiled me, the Swiss, you know. I started to sing the first opera, 
And the first, even EMI. I made my first records for EMI. Yes, those early records must be very rare and valuable now, the ones you made in Switzerland. 1944, yeah, yeah. Stefano's earliest recordings from 1944 include arias from Mano, Migno, Tosca and La Lesiana, recorded at the Radio Luzan studios in Switzerland. They exhibit a beautiful voice, not yet fully under control, but showing extraordinary tonal beauty and elegant phrasing. Here is one of those very recordings which De Stefano recorded in 1944, Pourquoi me réveiller from Werther by Jules Massenet. Eduardo Moser accompanies him on the piano. In 1946, Di Stefano returned to Milan, where he restarted his lessons with Montesanto, who later became his manager. In April of that year, he also recorded another album of Italian songs for EMI, again under the name Nino Florio. And you stayed in Switzerland until the war was over. The, the war was finished in 1944 for us. Uh, I went back 1945, eh? in, in the summer. Less than eight months later, I was on stage. Oh, I have a note here which says that on April the 20th, 1946, you made your debut as Decouilleur in Massenet's Manon. Which theatre was that in? This was the Reggio Emilia in the north of Italy. 
How long before you sang in La Scala? Now, 11 months after, I sang in the Scala. And 10 months later, in 1948, I was just singing in the metal, the With the help of Liduino Bonardi, a reputed manager, Di Stefano made his professional debut on the 20th of April 1946 at the Teatro Reggio Emilia, incidentally the same theatre where Luciano Pavarotti was to make his debut 15 years later, as De Grieu in Massenet's Manon, a role that suited his beautiful lyric tenor to perfection.
Some extraordinary singing there from Giuseppe Di Stefano. O Dolce Incanto from Manon by Jules Massenet, sung in Italian and not in French, with Eduardo Moser at the piano. In February 1948, Di Stefano made a triumphant debut at the Metropolitan Opera House in New York as the Duke in Rigoletto, and also subsequently in the same season in Manon. Here he is singing Questo o Quello from Rigoletto. La costoro avvenenza e quel dono Rigelfato di Dio La vita Lo so ci questa Mi torna la vita Forse un'altra, forse un'altra Domani lo sarà Un'altra Forse un'altra Domani lo sarà During the 1948-1949 season, Di Stefano performed in no less than seven productions at the Met. The tenor leading roles in Migno, La Traviata, L'Elezir d'Amore, La Bohème and Faust, as well as the roles of Renuccio in Gianni Schicchi and Fenton in Falstaff. Here he is performing opposite Renata Tebaldi in a live broadcast of Madama Butterfly, singing the love duet Voglia Teme Bene un Bene Piccolino. Interestingly, De Stefano did not like the role of Pinkerton. He considered the character self-serving and deliberately shaded his voice to remove as much warmth as possible in order to fit his characterization.
farfalla di un
Giuseppe Di Stefano and Renata Tebaldi in the love duet from Madama Butterfly, Voglia Teme Bene Un Bene Piccolino. And that live broadcast was recorded on the 15th of October 1950 in San Francisco. During the years 1948 to 1952, Di Stefano sang in no less than 112 Met performances, establishing himself as the lyric sensation at the Met. In his memoirs, 5,000 Nights at the Opera, Rudolf Bing wrote that the most beautiful sound he ever heard during his observation season at the Metropolitan Opera prior to becoming its general manager in 1950 was the diminuendo with which Di Stefano took on the high C near the end of the tenor's cavatina in Gounod's Faust. Here is Salut de Meure, Chasse de Pure from Faust. Oh, not you. 
Truly extraordinary singing there from Giuseppe Di Stefano um, in Salut de Meure, Chasse de Pure from Faust by Charles Gounod. And that was recorded in 1950 when he was a mere 29 years old. Di Stefano's success at the Met, however, was short-lived. Despite his immense popularity, a discordance with the management led to his farewell with the house in 1952. As I feared, wrote Rudolf Bing in his memoirs, De Stefano's lack of self-discipline soon harmed what might have been a career that would be remembered with Caruso's, but it was not to be. Sadly, De Stefano only ever returned five times to the Met, for performances in Carmen in 1955, Rigoletto, Tosca and Faust in 1956, and finally The Tales of Hoffman in 1965. Now, you made your debut in the Metropolitan, New York, you sang regularly there for years. Which celebrated ladies did you sing opposite at the Met? Well, I sang with uh, Lily Pons, uh, Lich Albanese, Vidu Sayao. Oh, yeah. 
all the, the lyric soprano, because I was a, a very lyric tenor. You see, the French repertoire used to do Mignon with the beautiful Louisa Stevens, American with the soprano. And in Sao Paulo, you sang opposite a lady who was to be very celebrated indeed and a very good friend of yours. Yes, that was Maria Calla. What was the opera? That was Traviata, but it was a rare occasion, you know. The big season was in Rio de Janeiro. In those years, 48, 49, 50, 51, they had the biggest season in the world. I mean, the season with all the, the most expensive, the best singers that were in the world in that moment. Of course, they had Carlos and Tebaldi together in, in the same season. So you can imagine the fight was going on. <laughs> so they had such a fight in Rio. But then we went uh, to Sao Paulo. And in Sao Paulo, the, they offered two traviata to me to sing. One with Tebaldi and one with uh, Callas. So you can imagine, they didn't even know the tenor, who was the tenor, who was the baritone. They were trying to outsing each other, you know. Tebaldi was very big in that moment, beautiful voice, and, and she was singing with beautiful technique. It was in top condition. Mm. So it was, uh, and Callas too, so you can imagine what, what kind of traviata I was in. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Maria always forgot. Six months later, we were in Mexico. And there in Mexico, we sang five operas together. So for Maria, always, our first time we sang together was in Mexico. She didn't remember a thing about the, 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 the San Paolo uh, Traviata. Too preoccupied with the Baldi. Yes, and there was only one night. No rehearsal, you know, just jumping, boom. Yes. Um, maybe I didn't make a big impression. <laughs> Can I tell you? In September 1951, Di Stefano was cast as Alfredo in La Traviata alongside Maria Callas for the first time in performances at the Municipal Theatre in Sao Paulo. The following year, their paths crossed again in Mexico City in Bellini's I Puritani, and later that same year, they sang together in La Gioconda at La Scala. Oh, oh, oh. 
from Ponchielli's La Gioconda and sung by Giuseppe Di Stefano in a live recording from 1950. Di Stefano's initial performances with Callas would prove the start of an artistic relationship that would be defining for his career. And you began recording operas with, with Maria Callas. Where did you record them? The first opera in Milano. Yes. Because uh, uh, in, in, in those years, London Decker was starting to make operas, but I... I refused, I didn't accept, with Tebaldi. Hmm. I was supposed to make a record with London Decker with Tebaldi, but we didn't reach an agreement economically. So when I left for Milano, for the Scala, uh, I was so lucky that EMI was starting this big program with Maria Callas, and I was free to accept, and that's what happened. By this time, Callas had been signed up by producer Walter Legg from EMI to record a series of complete opera recordings at La Scala starting with Lucia di Lammermoor, Ipuritani, 
and Cavalleria Rusticana, conducted by Tullio Serafin, and followed by the now famous Tosca, conducted by Victor de Sabata, all during 1953. This recording of Tosca is still unsurpassed today and is regarded by many as one of the greatest opera recordings of all time. Together with Callas, Di Stefano as Mario Cavaradossi and Tito Gobi as Scarpia created in sound characterizations of Puccini's characters that have set the standard for future performers. Let's listen to Cavaradossi's Act Three aria, El Luce van le Stelle, and the duet with Tosca which follows from this famous 1953 recording. The orchestra and chorus of La Scala in Milan is conducted by Victor de Sabata.
della vita prendo ogni splendore all'essere mio la gioia ed il desire nascondite come di fiammaratore io folgorare i cieli e scolorire vedrò nell'occhio tuo rivelatore Giuseppe Di Stefano as Mario Cavaradossi and Maria Callas as Tosca from the very famous 1953 recording with Victor De Sabata conducting the Orchestra of La Scala Milan. Within a relatively short period of time, 
Giuseppe Di Stefano had become the world's leading lyric tenor. His singing was notable for its winning charm, sincerity, spontaneity and vitality, and he was able to manipulate his voice with nuanced expressions of seemingly endless subtlety. Critic John Steen, in his book The Grand Tradition, praised Di Stefano's fine control and intelligent phrasing, calling the instrument one of the best tenor voices of the century. He could make a seamless transition from the very loudest to the softest sound without losing support of the tone, and he could do it over his entire vocal range. The diminuendo on the Faust high C, an effect which has never been duplicated, is an outstanding example of this ability. Though Di Stefano often forced his singing, he didn't have to. His voice carried with ease through the cavernous space that was the old Met. And I'd now like to play to you Quel Trionfo from Il Barbiere di Sevilla by Rosini, a rather extraordinary live recording from 1950. Trionfo from Rossini's Il Barbiere di Sevilla. The tone of Di Stefano's voice, full of Mediterranean warmth, was produced in a forward manner that allowed all his words to be heard clearly, and as a result, his diction in both Italian and French was perfect. Every syllable he sang was suffused with meaning. As one commentator noted, he was able to shade the music so that the listener seemed to sense the meaning of what he sang without understanding a single word of either language. Yet it was exactly this open and uncovered vocal tone, voce aperta, as Lori Volpi coined it, that many experts considered Di Stefano's vocal undoing. Others argue that he simply sang in the way that came most naturally to him, but that he started doubting himself when others tried to correct what they thought to be his bad vocal habits. The first sign of Di Stefano's vocal problems became apparent in the late 1950s, when his vocal production grew increasingly strained, coarse and hard, and his voice exhibited dryness, even rawness, in the top range. This was furthermore aggravated by asthmatic problems that were to make the rest of his career a struggle. In fact, in one interview he blamed the rapid deterioration of his voice on an allergy to rugs which he had installed in his Milan apartment in the mid-1950s. Many vocal experts considered Di Stefano's change of repertory, from the lyric to the spinto range, one of the primary reasons for his vocal decline. According to them, his voice was essentially a lyric instrument of great beauty, one that was not suited for heavier roles and certainly not to his dramatic temperament. In a sense, Di Stefano, like Callas, seemed to demand more from their voices than could be comfortably delivered. In 1955, Di Stefano was engaged to open the La Scala season alongside Callas in a new production of La Traviata directed by Lucchino Visconti. 
From the beginning, Di Stefano found the rehearsals grueling and tedious. Visconti would have Callas repeat the same small section of a recitative over and over until he thought she got it right. This infuriated Di Stefano, who started to show up late for rehearsals or not showing up at all. As every opera goer knows, La Traviata is the soprano's opera, and on opening night the La Scala audience went mad. Though he sang beautifully, the audience wanted Callas, and only Callas. Di Stefano was enraged. Everything for Callas! I shall never sing with her again, he shouted as he left the stage. To the company's shock, he did not return, and Giacinto Prandelli sang Alfredo in all the remaining performances. Still, Di Stefano rose to the occasion marvellously. Here is an extract from that very evening's performance from La Traviata. Carlo Maria Giulini conducts the orchestra and chorus of La Scala Milan. Giuseppe Di Stefano is Alfredo and Maria Callas Violetta. Thank <laughs> you. 
extract there from the opening night performance of the 1955 season at La Scala with Giuseppe Di Stefano as Alfredo and Maria Callas as Violetta. And Carlo Maria Giulini conducted the orchestra and chorus of La Scala. Despite his protests, Di Stefano's vow to never sing with Callas again was of course not to last long. He met Callas in Milan later that season for a recording of Rigoletto for EMI under Tullio Serafin with Gobi in the title role. 1955 saw one of Di Stefano's greatest successes, a production of Lucia di Lammermoor with Callas conducted by Herbert von Karajan that travelled with the La Scala Orchestra and Chorus to Berlin for performances at the Städtische Oper, which is now the Deutsche Oper. This legendary performance shows Di Stefano and Callas at the absolute top of their game. Let's listen to Di Stefano singing Fra poco a me ricovero and then Tu che addio from Donizetti's Lucia di Lammermoor.
Giuseppe Di Stefano there in the finale from Donizetti's Lucia di Lammermoor in a live performance from 1955 recorded in the Städtische Oper in Berlin. Herbert von Karajan conducted the chorus and orchestra of La Scala Milan. The mid-1950s brought about a change of repertory for Di Stefano. He started leaning towards spintorols, first anticipated with Carmen in Milan and New York in 1955, and then during the following year, heavier roles in operas such as Cavalleria Rusticana, La Forza del Destino, I Pagliacci, and La Gioconda. 1956 furthermore saw the recording of Verdi's Il Trovatore with Callas, conducted by Carian. EMI producer Walter Legg had originally intended for Richard Tucker to sing Manrico, but Tucker, a devout Jew, would not sing under von Karajan in view of the latter's suspect Nazi connections. In his stead, Di Stefano was called on. Again, it is a question of an overgenerous artist trying to get more from his instrument than nature intended. Di Stefano's portrayal of Manrico has moments of beauty and others of strain. Here he is singing the famous Di Quella Pira from Act 3, Scene 2 of Il Trovatore. <laughs> Prima <laughs> 
Quella Pira from Verdi's Il Trovatore, sung by Giuseppe Di Stefano and Maria Callas in this very famous recording from 1956. Herbert von Karajan conducted the chorus and orchestra of La Scala Milan. During the course of 1957, Di Stefano continued to appear in spinto roles. Aida, Pagliacci and La Forza del Destino in Milan, Carmen in Rome and in Vienna, Manole Score in Naples and Vienna, Adriana Lecouvreux in Chicago, before finally returning to his lyric repertory with L'Elezir d'Amore in Edinburgh, his British debut, and La Bohème in Mexico City. By 1961, his vocal health was in dubious condition, and his debut at Covent Garden, a rather late debut, in May 1961 for performances of Tosca with Regine Crespin, was poorly received. He returned to Covent Garden in 1963 for Bohème, but was now in serious vocal trouble and had to cancel. As fate would have it, he was replaced by a certain Luciano Pavarotti, then an unknown newcomer. Pavarotti would later openly declare his admiration for Di Stefano, whom he tried to emulate, not so much in vocal character, but in terms of the wholehearted involvement that Di Stefano conveyed in everything that he sang. Apart from various operettas, Di Stefano performed in increasingly fewer stage productions and largely confined himself to concerts and recitals. In 1964, however, he attempted to take on Wagner's Rienzi at La Scala. His co-star, the soprano Raina Kabarvanska, would later recall, We did Rienzi together in 1964. I was very young and was studying at the time. He showed up for rehearsals with his stunning eyes burning with passion, cracked a couple of jokes, yelled a bit, and then left the opera house. He didn't really feel like studying Wagner. On opening night at La Scala, he didn't really know his part, and they had to do deep cuts. He sang glancing at the score hidden around the sets. But he owned that stage, and the audience loved it. In 1964, Di Stefano was also scheduled to sing Un Ballo in Maschera, as well as Tosca, again opposite Crespa, at the Teatro Colón in Buenos Aires. But his vocal production was so poor at the time that the Colón management sadly had to cancel his appearances and dissolve the contract. A further blow came in Pasadena in March 1966, when Di Stefano, at the urging of Karajan, attempted the role of Otello opposite Tito Gobi. It was, however, much too heavy for him, and his performances were not a success. Here is Vestila Juba from I Pagliacci, as sung by Giuseppe Di Stefano. Vestila Juba la faccia in farina la gente paga per ridere vuole
Di Stefano's opera appearances gradually diminished to a few performances per year until 1973 when he stopped singing opera altogether and it was only on the recital stage that he could still be heard performing. It was during a visit to New York in 1972 that Di Stefano again met up with Callas, who at the time was engaged for a series of master classes at the Juilliard School of Music. These classes provided Callas with renewed confidence to appear before the public and no doubt was also bolstered by Di Stefano's constant support and encouragement. Di Stefano convinced her to join him on a world tour the following year, the concerts of which were meant as fundraisers to cover the medical costs for his daughter who was undergoing treatment for cancer. In December 1972, the pair also returned to the recording studio, this time for Philips and not EMI, to record several Verdi duets with the London Symphony Orchestra. Despite the intensity of their commitment, however, the recording was scrapped and Callas insisted that it never be made public. In April of 1973, Callas was hired to direct Verdi's Ivespe Siciliani at the Teatro Reggio in Turin. She insisted that Di Stefano co-direct with her. Neither artist, however, had any sort of directing experience and sadly the production proved a mediocre affair that was slated by the press and critics. If anything, it only proved that inspired singing does not necessarily translate into the ability to direct. Here is Giuseppe Di Stefano and Maria Callas singing O Sara la più bella, tu tu amore tu, from Act 2 of Mano Lesco.
the duet O Sara la più bella, Tutto amore tu, from Act Two of Mano Lesco by Puccini, and sung by Giuseppe Di Stefano and Maria Callas. And the orchestra of La Scala in Milan was conducted by Tullio Serafin in this 1957 recording. Many people believe that with the revival of their friendship and working relationship, Di Stefano and Callas had also become lovers, despite the fact that Di Stefano was still married to his first wife, Maria Girolami. Costas Pilarinos, a close friend of Callas, considered their partnership as a rather unromantic symbiosis. Di Stefano had many affairs, he stated, all of which were known to his wife. He had economic reasons for his relationship with Callas, while she desperately needed companionship. Each wanted specific things, companionship for her and economic gain for him. His wife understood this, and Callas was an easy victim. The Di Stefano Callas World Tour kicked off in Hamburg in October 1973, followed by concerts across Europe. On the 20th of January 1974, the tour took them to Milan, where they performed privately for the patients at the hospital where Di Stefano's daughter was being treated. When Di Stefano suffered from, quote, a sudden indisposition, unquote, in Stuttgart, a circumstance that would become increasingly common as their relationship became more and more acrimonious, Callas would be left alone to try and fill in for him somehow. The following month, February 1974, Di Stefano and Callas travelled to the US for an exhausting schedule that included performances across the state. In his review for the New York Times, the famous critic Harold C. Schoenberg wrote of Di Stefano's singing at the Carnegie Hall performance of March the 5th as undescribably coarse, self-indulgent and vulgar. He was going in for all kinds of dubious pianissimo and crooning effects, in general making an artistic mess of whatever he attempted. According to Robert Sutherland, the accompanist for the tour, Di Stefano would often provoke Callas into a rage because he thought it made her sing better, although it simply caused her a great deal of unnecessary distress. He contrasted the methods of the two. She spent her career searching for perfection, he noted. Di Stefano believed he was born with it. The stress and exhaustion of the rigorous concert schedule were starting to take its strain on Di Stefano and Callas, leading to well-publicized temper tantrums from both parties. Well-performing selections from Carmen on the West Coast and what they agreed to be their last concert together they began singing insults to each other in French to an audience oblivious of their departure from the libretto. The exchange became so funny to the two singers that they couldn't remain angry at each other any longer and they agreed to end the North American leg of the tour as scheduled in Montreal on May 13th. Despite their fights and the mixed artistic results of their earlier engagements, Di Stefano again persuaded Callas to accompany him to Korea and Japan that fall for nine concerts beginning in early October. The final concert took place on the 11th of November 1974 in Sapporo in Japan, the last time that Callas would ever sing in public. Here is O Suave Fanciulla from Act 1 of La Bohème by Puccini with Giuseppe Di Stefano and Maria Callas. Antonino Votto conducts the Orchestra of La Scala Milan in this 1956 recording.
al ritorno. Curioso. Dammi il braccio mia piccina. Obbedisco, Signore. Che Di Stefano's final stage appearances came in June 1992, at 71 years of age, when he sang the role of the Emperor in Turandot at the Caracalla in Rome. In November 2004, Di Stefano was seriously injured after an attack by unknown perpetrators in his home in Diani Beach, Kenya, where he and his second wife, the soprano Monica Kurth, were vacationing. His condition was critical for quite some time, and he never fully recovered from the injuries inflicted upon him. He died in his home north of Milan on the 3rd of March 2008.
Giuseppe Di Stefano singing Una Furtiva Lagrima from Donizetti's Le Lezir d'Amore in this 1944 recording with Eduardo Moser at the piano. Giuseppe Di Stefano was a natural talent, a God-given voice infused with immediacy and unrivaled passion. A generous artist, he sang without precaution and used his abundant talents prodigally in his prime, giving too much too early, which inevitably shortened his career. The result was a rapid vocal decline putting an end to a marvellous but short career that could have had so much more going for it. By the mid-1960s, he was virtually a spent force, though he was only in his mid-forties. Nevertheless, Di Stefano performed on stage and on recordings with a beauty of tone and intensity unique in the 20th century. Luckily, his many recordings, made in his prime, will be there to remind everyone that he belongs amongst the greatest tenors of all time. I'd like to end off tonight's programme with a Sicilian song as sung by Di Stefano, Santa Lucia Lontana. And lastly, I would just like to extend a big thank you to Ilza Lotz for supplying me with some of the recordings used in tonight's programme. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time, from me, Adrian Fox, have a wonderful weekend.
mezzo mare Napoca, Napoli me fa vedere Santa Lucia Quanta malinconia Se giro mondo sano Se va cerca fortuna Ma quando aspetta l'una, lontano in amore non si basta. E suonano mai male, tremano in coppe corde, quante ricordi hai me. Quante ricorre, ancora non lo sane, nemmeno canezzone, sentendo voce suone e se metta a chiangere, cavo turna. Quanta mali 